0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of LightBean. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, Hannah, and I'm just going to kind of give a little introduction about myself and kind of what I want to share on this platform. So I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while and there's been a lot of signs from the universe pushing me to kind of step outside my comfort zone because um, I tend to be hard on myself sometimes, and i i want to say the right thing, I want to you know make a good impression um I want to help people that 's kind of why i one of the motivations um one of the main motivations for doing this because i've been a l lo- i i've been through a lot in my life um and I just feel like if I share some of these stories, it could really help people' cause, There have been several people online that have helped me a lot by sharing their stories of experiences. Um, And that's not to compare trauma because, you know, everything anyone goes through, it's relative to their experiences. But, you know, I think this is a good platform because I love to talk. And, um, you know, if you feel like sticking around to listen to what I have to say, great. Thank you. Um, And if not, I'm still gonna do it anyway, as I said to my friends. Sometimes I don't care if you listen. Sometimes I just need to talk. It can be really therapeutic. It's almost like a an audio journal. Um, I've never really done audio journaling before, but I used to do video journaling a little bit, and it's great because sometimes ju- most of the time when I journal, it's in a notebook, um, but. I find it really helps to kind of get my thoughts out of my head on paper it helps give me a new perspective to kind of what i'm thinking and feeling and going through um and even if um you know i'm just journaling out a situation or a conversation or anything like that um it just makes me feel a little lighter kind of getting it out of me um in that way um anyway (laughs) I will get on a lot of side tangents, so get used to that, I guess. But, um, yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I feel like part of my insecurities that have been coming up that I've needed to work through, um, I don't know, like, I just put a lot of pressure on myself, um, and I don't know, like, I think that's a lesson that we can all kind of learn from is... You know it's important to take into account the you know our balancing our our heart and our head you know um when we make decisions you don't want to just excuse me jump into it without really thinking things through and you know all aspects but you can't really plan for everything and all i can really do is just be confident that i can handle anything that comes my way you know it might be a difficult challenge i might find it really uncomfortable at times, but the important thing is that I learn from that experience, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully it makes me grow, and um, I don't get stuck. But I mean, we're never really stuck. We're just navigating through these emotions and energies. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about my my life story kind of (laughs) um i know this is a little bit all over the place but i'm really trying not to put too much expectation on myself um you know i'm not going to commit to a regular posting schedule i'm just going to kind of follow my intuition and what i feel you know i want to be inspired when i'm sharing what i have to say and yeah So, I'm gonna start from the beginning, um, I guess that's the best place to start. Oh, bless you, Bubble. My cat's beside me, he's very cute. He likes to listen to what I have to say, even if he doesn't always understand what I'm saying. I think he does kind of understand, though. Um, he knows that I love him, and when I tell him I love him. (laughs) Anyway, side tangent, it's gonna happen, folks, get used to it. Um, anyway. I was born in the house that I grew up in Um, and that's kind of cool my sister and I were both born at home and we were both homeschooled pretty much all the way up until I went to university so for me that experience I don't know there's a lot I've learned in hindsight retrospectively looking back at that but honestly I wouldn't change anything you know um, I remember My sister was born when I was about four, and for both of my mom's pregnancies, she was really sick with both of us. So she was uh, pretty much bedridden uh, for most of her pregnancy, and that meant that she wasn't able to, you know, spend as much time with me, which is understandable, but she had a lot of support from her friends and parents through, you know, Parenting groups and that kind of thing. I don't really remember much, but I'm just gonna cover what I do know. Um. Anyway, so I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. Um, I would go over to friends' houses and like you know Fridays I would go to my one friend Hannah's house, which is cool because it was two Hannahs. Our dads had the same name, and we both had a younger sibling. She had a brother, and I had a sister. And I don't know, it's weird when you have these childhood friends, because you have such strong core memories of times together as a kid, and when you're a kid, like, I don't know, it's such a developmental time of your life, you don't really know who you are yet, and, um, I don't know, I just have fond memories of us playing in our house, and coloring, and I'm sure I was a little bit of a bad influence at times, there's a picture of us, in. uh, at my mom's house in the uh one of the playrooms i think and i had gotten a pen and we had given each other tattoos of just scribbling pen all over our arms and (laughs) um i mean that's kind of on brand for me i like to do some chaotic uh fuck around and find out type of shit um and i do remember we got in trouble for that but i don't know sometimes you just have to do what you feel like. And when you're a kid, you're not really thinking about the long-term consequences like that. But, you know, it's just, it's just a pen. It can wash off. Yeah, it's probably more permanent than just a washable marker, but hey, whatever, you know, just having fun. I also spent a lot of time uh, with my grandmother, because my grandmother at the time lived, um, in town, um, within walking distance, and she had a little shop downtown that kind of sold, I don't know, all kinds of trinkets and, like, an antique shop, kind of. Um, I don't really remember because my memory of it, I was a kid, so I wasn't super clued into... Uh, the business side of things, if you will. But I had a lot of fun with her. I'm sure I would help her out. And, um, you know, I was a pretty good kid for the most part. The uh, little menace in me didn't come out until I was older. And I started, uh, questioning things and, you know, standing up against authority at a young age. But before that, um, you know, I would, it's not like I would run off and hide or, um, you know, be loud. I mean, every kid has its moment have, has their moments, but um yeah, from what my mom tells me it's like, Yeah, I wasn't too much of a mischief maker, um, at that at that time at least. So it's not um I don't know. Don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I have a lot of good memories of spending time with my grandmother, and going to her apartment, and a classic, she would always make spaghetti, and to this day, spaghetti is like one of those foods that I could just eat, and eat, and eat, and not ever get sick of it, um, but yeah, so many good memories, her, she was such, she is such an amazing artist, she doesn't really make art as much anymore, um, because she has dementia, and that kind of has affected her artistic abilities, And, you know, the ability to connect with her creativity a little bit. But uh, she wrote a lot of journals um, with kind of prompts and would have her artwork on the front. And I don't even know how many she had exactly, but it was close to like 80 for sure. She'd done a lot. But she had her little art table set up in the corner of her apartment or her house and she had her watercolor and her poetry, and I don't know, I just always felt very connected to her because I just feel like our souls are very similar, and I know I learned a lot from her, and I'm sure she learned a lot from me, and you know we're still there for each other. It's just things are a little bit different now, um because of her memory been affected a lot, and she used to have really bad migraines, and that would also kind of um. Kind of dull that creative spark you know because when you're f- experiencing pain like that it's hard to connect into the creativity as deeply um but yeah i think my grandmother was definitely in my life uh i i don't know my belief is that we choose our experiences before we you know incarnate onto this planet if you will Now, the beliefs that I'm sharing and that I hold are representative of how I feel about it right now, but I'm also open to having my beliefs changed, but for me, this is just what makes sense to me, and, um, you know, take it or leave it, basically. But it's my belief that we choose our experiences before we come here, and I definitely think that my grandmother and I like linked up and we were like yo let's incarnate here at the same time um i don't know i just feel like intuitively i'm here to kind of like help close the end of the chapter you know i was thinking about it the other day and i don't even know how many generations on my mom's side at least but i would say i am the first woman in my mom's side of the family who hasn't been in like a, an abusive relationship um and you know i have had experiences like i don't i don't know like if i would consider them relationships i mean they were relationships but like not romantic in the sense of like dating someone in person more of just like talking to people online that's a whole other thing i can get into but um you know the first real life partner that i've had um it's such a healthy relationship and we have something really amazing together and i'm so thankful for that because i'm able to kind of be safe enough to explore my interests and my creativities and you know strengthen myself as an individual to be able to show up in the relationship um as my best self you know i I still have my bad days everyone has their off days um (laughs) bubbles is rampaging right now but uh yeah everyone has their bad days and their off days but when you make a conscious effort to show up for each other through you know the good days and the bad days it really makes so much of a difference i could go on a whole side tangent about that but i'm trying to somewhat stick to the timeline that i'm trying to draw here so back to where I was. Um, <laughs> so yeah, spending a lot of time at my grandmother's store. And then my sister was born. I still spend a lot of time with my grandmother. Um, you know, it's really, I, I can only imagine I'm not a parent. Um, I don't know if I do want to be a parent at this time. I'm totally content just having my cats, <laughs> you know, uh, they take care of themselves. And I don't have to change their diapers. I do have to scoop their litter box and pick up their little shit nuggets when they fly out. But <laughs> you know, that's uh, it's the price you have to pay for such cuteness, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, um, so after my sister was born, she was a little butterball, and <laughs> um, I don't know. We were just connected at the hip instantly, like we had this attic space in our house and the whole entire attic was our bedroom growing up and um we pretty much shared a bed through all of that you know since we were babies (laughs) pretty much and on one sense it's kind of annoying because you you want to have your own space but it did force us to kind of be very close and we definitely butt heads a lot and we are very different people but for most of our childhood we were like joined at the hip you know if we were in dance class we were both in dance class if we were in choir we were both at choir um you know every most experiences in that sense were shared and a lot of fun trips going with the homeschooler group and a lot of homeschoolers in our area we would get together and do these like field trips and stuff and a lot of the time like her friends or my friends were also her friends, you know. Um, and to this day, like my sister and I, we don't talk every single day, but you know, there's this bond that is never going to be lost pretty much. You know, I could tell her anything. We've been through some shit together and, you know, I'm so glad we had each other to get through those times because I don't know what I would have done if I was an only child, honestly, like I know being an only child is, like, such a complete different experience. Even having, like, one sibling versus a huge family of having, like, five siblings, I can only imagine. Every experience is different, but... (laughs) Hi, Bubble. Um, I don't know. He doesn't have anything to share with the podcast, I guess. But, um, anyway. Yeah, so we went through this shared experience of being homeschooled, and at least... For my part, you know, homeschool homeschooling is not really a regulated system. You know, anyone could be like, I'm keeping my kids home and I'm going to educate them. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to have, you know, any prior education or it's not like my mom went to teachers college, you know. Um and for for me, at least, I really enjoyed that experience a lot. And I definitely don't think I would be the person I am today without that experience. And I wouldn't change that. But, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. And in hindsight, maybe things could have been done a little differently. But, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go through all of that. Excuse me. Um, so for for my experience, it was not a lot of, like, sitting down at a table with the workbooks out, and it's a structured, you know, th- however many hours a day, but, you know, there were times um, where there was more of a structure like that, where, you know, we would do math worksheets, or, you know, we'd read a book and then have to write, like, a little book report um a lot of the times too we would have a tutor so we'd outsource somewhere and then some university student would teach me math or how to write an essay or that kind of thing because there's certain basics everyone needs to know um, like math and english and that kind of thing and then on besides that there was so much freedom to kind of tap into learning and exploring what i wanted to learn rather than all right guys we're in grade three today is tuesday and we're learning about rocks or today we're learning about animals or whatever and i feel like that's such a liberating educational experience to focus on what you want to learn obviously there's some things where like you just have to be taught and learn these things um, whether or not you're interested in it and then you know sometimes interest does develop but i remember i was always so curious about animals and anytime i had a question my mom would say, okay, well, let's go to the library and let's go learn about it. So, you know, how do spiders build their webs? How does a skunk spray work? Like, what is that? You know, and learning about how that, (laughs) how that kind of thing happens. And it's kind of cool because, I don't know, side tangent warning, um, like animals are so magical. Like they, like the fact that they have so many different physical forms, like a spider, or a cat, or a horse, or you know, a tropical bird, or whatever. Like, there's all these different physical forms that exist. I mean, there's so many of us humans, but we sometimes forget that we're just a bunch of mammals too. We're just, you know, have more abilities to to communicate, and we have thumbs, <laughs> that definitely helps. But yeah, we're just able to create so much more um doesn't mean we necessarily know more because i do think there are some animals that understand a lot more than we know or understand like pigs or dolphins like they have such a consciousness that really can connect to a lot and i don't know we underestimate that sometimes um sorry if i say I'm a lot i i will get better <laughs> given time um you know if you're still listening to this great thank you i don't i don't know what is so interesting about it but hey here we are doing things outside of our comfort zone so just take this as your reminder if there's something that you've been thinking about should i should i i don't know maybe i should maybe i shouldn't think about it sleep on it but then if you still feel like you're being called back to it like something inside you is like magnetized to whatever's calling you you really should honor that and just go for it. Fuck it, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? Think about what the worst thing that's gonna happen. Meditate on that and then go, okay, if worst case scenario does happen, I'm strong enough to handle that, okay? That's just the message I felt like I needed to say. Uh, Where was I? Homeschooling, yeah. So we spent a lot of time doing extracurricular activities. For example, piano lessons. From the time I was about seven to right up until like 18 or 19, or 20, I guess, I uh, was playing the piano pretty much every single day, multiple times a day. At least when I got older, I was practicing like an hour every single day. Um, and in Canada, they have this thing called the Royal Conservatory of Music and they have grades and in piano, they go all the way up to grade 10 at least currently, that's what it goes up to. So, grade 10 is the highest level in piano, and my mom always told me that when I got to grade 5 piano, I could stop if I felt like I wanted to, and I got to grade 5, and I was like, okay, great, like, I can't wait to get to grade 5 and then quit, because, like, it'll be so great. I get to grade 5, and I changed my mind, and I'm like, you know what, I kind of am enjoying this. I kind of want to keep playing, because you know it did take a lot of practice and determination and focus but it's also i don't know just like the flow naturally to like express almost like the emotion of the music like the louds and softs and the fast and slow and just being expressive in that way is it can be fun sometimes i mean the fun can kind of be sucked out of it when it becomes more of a chore than something you want to do And for me, that's kind of what uh, took the fun out of it for me. Um, So I kept playing up until I got my grade 8. And right around the time I was about to take the grade 8 exam, I was like, you know what? I just want to quit. Like, I'm done. And uh, my mom was like, no, you're not quitting until you get your grade 8 and i i was like i really don't i don't want to like this sucks i've been playing the same song like these same four songs for my exam i've been playing for like three years can you imagine just imagine for a second how annoying it would be if you even like listened to the same song every day for years You'd get sick of it too, you know it inside and out, like it just gets stuck in your head. Except it's all classical music and you have to do technical things like playing scales and chords and triads and all this stuff. Which, I don't know, I feel like maybe things would have been different if I had a a better balance between, you know, the fun and the work. But at the same time, I know my mom was pushing me uh, to, to stay motivated and I definitely needed that. Um, but you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my God, like, just let me quit. I don't want to do this anymore. But, uh, yeah. So when I got to the point where I, it was time to do my exam, I was just kind of sick of it that I wasn't really putting all my effort into practices, which then shows when I go to get adjudicated for this exam, uh, they're going to be like, wow, you sound like you're not really trying, (laughs) you know? So I yeah i took extra lessons i think i was going like twice a week with my teacher and i was practicing every single day and then we had the added pressure of my mom saying yeah if you fail this exam you're gonna have to pay me back for a bunch of piano lessons and at the time i was like fuck you um i'm not paying you back like i'm gonna get this done which is not really i don't know that kind of pressure i understand where she's coming from trying to you know Motivate me in that sense, but at the same time, it kind of was like, I don't know, it took the fun out of it because it was like, okay, I literally have no room for failure, I have to do this. Like, I don't even have that money in my bank account, that's not happening. And also, a little bit of a like, fuck you, like, I'm not gonna let that happen because she knew that like giving up wasn't really an option, even though I did want to. So, I did my grade 8 exam, and in order to pass, mind you, when I did my grade 5 exam, I did pretty well. I got, like, 90-something. And same with my theory exam. Every time I've taken a theory exam, it was a pretty good mark. Um, There's, like, high-level honors with distinction, and then there's, like, some other level, and I don't know. So, if you do really well, um, you get recognized for, like, uh, having one of the highest scores in the province or across Canada. My sister actually holds one of these for her tuba, um, or euphonium. I can't remember. She's also, she also went through the whole piano thing, um, that I did, but then she went on to, you know, play some other instruments as well, which is kind of badass. When she was 12, she started playing the tuba pretty much smaller than the tuba when she started and, uh, she was marching with it in the cadet band but uh yeah her nickname was tuba for a while but anyway um yeah so when i did the grade eight test the first time i got a 54 and you have to get a 60 to pass because my heart was really not in it i was like i literally just have to pass i don't need a good mark i just have to pass so i do the exam and i'm like four marks short of passing and my mom's like well what is it going to be? Are you going to pay me back or are you going to try again and pass? And I was like, oh my God, like it made me want to quit more than ever. Cause I was like, see, I failed, you know, like, just let me have this, like, let me just be done with it because then maybe I could have a more positive relationship with, you know, practicing or playing the piano. I would find more enjoyment from it if I didn't feel like I had to more than I wanted to. Um, and you know, maybe that's part of the reason I haven't really touched the piano since, but I know I will come back to it when I feel like I'm ready um because that kind of thing doesn't go away. It's muscle memory, really, but uh, yeah, so I go back to the drawing board and I'm working full time over the summer and uh, working outside at the beaches and standing in the hot sun, focusing, concentrating, scanning all day long. And now lifeguarding is not a very physically exhausting job, but when you're lifeguarding, it can be really mentally exhausting, especially when you're in the heat because the heat drains you of your energy and you're standing in the sun, but you're also concentrating, and you're constantly scanning, and you go, okay, that person left the water, oh, that person went too deep, that person, you know, they look like they're struggling, whatever, this parent's not watching their kids, their kid's running into the water, it's just a lot, and when it's eight hours of this, or, you know, a full day, you really don't want to do anything at the end of the day, even though you're technically just standing there, you know, but I was like, I am gonna just get this, exam done so i would come home from work i would practice the piano and you know probably would have been more productive to practice in the morning before all my mental focus was gone for the day because it was really hard to focus on it but um i would practice for an hour every day i had uh piano lessons i would pay out of my own pocket because um i knew that's what i needed to kind of like have a little bit of guidance where i needed to work on more Um, in order to get where I needed to be. And I'm so grateful for my piano teacher. She was such a gem and uh, just such a beautiful soul. And her whole family is so musically gifted that um, I'm really glad that I got to learn from her. And anyway, so I do, I have a second attempt at the, you know, second attempt at taking the exam and I got exactly 60. So, (laughs) still not great even after putting in all that effort but we did it you know i got where i needed to be and just the sense of relief i felt when i got my mark back it was like i never have to touch the piano again if i don't want to and that was so liberating and i was just so happy which is like bittersweet in a way because i don't know for me i really enjoyed practicing the piano when i have the house to myself i feel like no one can hear you know my mistakes no one's judging me i can just kind of let loose but if there were people home and even if i so much to like pause while i was practicing and like look at the music a little bit or you know compare notes um i would just it constantly be drilled into me like keep practicing i would hear my mom's voice from the kitchen keep playing and i'm like oh my god like i'm just looking at the music but i don't know i'm glad she kind of taught me to keep that determination and not just give up. Cuz sometimes giving up seems like the easy option and the lessons might be tough, but it's, you know, the bigger lesson behind those kinds of things that we can apply to all aspects of our life. I feel like So yeah, music was definitely a huge part um and when I was around 11, I started singing in a choir. It's funny because when i was eight i was old enough to join the choir and my mom took me to one of the concerts and she was like hey do you want to join this choir because i was that kid that was always singing and singing along to songs on the radio and just being very theatrical and dramatic and it was kind of the perfect thing for me um and so when i was eight we went to this concert and i was like yeah it looks fun but the costumes are like the uniforms are really ugly Which, of course, is something I would say at the time, because rather than just thinking, hey, we can go practice and sing with these other kids and wear whatever you want, just your regular clothes for practice, and then one day out of the year for the concert, you put on your vest, your plaid vest and bow tie, and if you know, you know what I mean. Then it didn't get much better because the level up was like a bow tie, vest, and cummerbund. and I was like, wow, I just look like a little man right now. And, you know, it looked really sharp on stage. Everyone looks the same and, you know, guys and girls can all wear the same thing and it's just got it looks really good when everyone looks the same. Um, but I ended up not joining the choir until a couple years after that. But when I first joined that choir, I never really realized or looking back, you know, initially, but one of my best friends to this day, um, was in the choir and we met when i was around 11 and i don't really remember my first impression of her i just know that like she was kind of like the loud crazy kid in the back that was always getting in trouble for talking which if i was in the back i would also be getting in trouble for talking but i was up at the front but you know i thought she was really cool and uh yeah we didn't really become close friends until later on um through choir we would go on these trips and camp like team building uh weekend experiences that were so fun like once a year we would go to this camp and stay the night and do these team building exercises and sing and have some amazing food and then just play outside and we'd all share a cabin with our our uh, bunk mates it'd be like four or five girls in one cabin kind of thing like summer camp but just for a weekend and that's where we really like got to know each other more and i was like this bitch is kind of cool and i don't know we just been fast friends ever since even through university and she moved away for four years to go to school we kind of kept somewhat in touch and every time we would get back together and and talk and hang out um it was like no time had passed like it was one of those friendships where like no matter what we've gone through or, like, how different our pasts have been, we can always get back together and talk like no time had passed at all. I talk about anything. Our lives, our home lives, our relationships, our families. Just what we're going through. Everything. Um, but, yeah. I did a lot of sports as a kid. Um, I think I, from the time I was, like, three, I started playing soccer don't really remember that much um then I did uh, what is it called it's like baseball but instead of a pitcher there's like a machine um the name escapes me at this time but if you know you know and that was pretty fun I really enjoyed that I think even to this day if there was some kind of like uh, recreational baseball or softball league I would want to join I just have to figure out how and when I could do that Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that, and, uh, did tennis for quite a while, we lived close to a tennis court, and over the summer we do, like, tennis camp, and that one was another sport that I really, really enjoyed, um, I don't know, I just, it's almost like a meditation to be, like, doing something physical with your body while your mind is focused like that, um, and I am also a very competitive person, (laughs) so that also motivates me to like be better. But yeah, I'm trying to think of the other sports I did um bass or I did football when I was 9. And I have really bad memories surrounding this because I remember that was the first time in my life that I felt like I mean, I don't know. I felt anxious pretty much all throughout being a kid, I guess, as long as I can remember. And I'll go into that in a second, but yeah, with with baseball or not baseball, with football I was nine I was probably I don't know I can't I don't know how tall I was but I was the shortest person there and um it was like a mixed league so guys or and girls could play together but I was the only girl on the team I was also the youngest person on the team because the people on the team were up to like 16 I think which like 16 year olds and nine year olds playing together people what are we doing here like I could have been crushed and, um, I don't know, it was just, even looking back, like, I didn't even really understand the rules of football, I don't think anyone ever really explained it, but my position was a wide receiver, so, basically, I would just, the coach would say the play, I would run out to the field and repeat it to the players, and then that's how they would line up, and then, when the play began, I would just, like, kind of just run on the outskirts of, I don't know. The group of players on the field in the direction the ball was going. So I was like, okay, the ball is going towards the center of the field. We're all running this way. Okay. <laughs> and then um yeah, I just remember being so anxious though because like I didn't talk to anyone while I was there. Like when you're playing a team sport, like the sense of camaraderie and, you know, teamwork is like a huge factor. So I just kind of felt like an outcast outside of the whole time like even if like You know what 16 year old is gonna take time another day to like talk to the nine-year-old on the team you know what i mean it's just like not not a good environment not that they were i was bullied or anything but um you know i wasn't getting special treatment not that i expected it for sure but i don't know it just it was not the place for me and when i expressed it to my parents like i really hate this like i get absolutely no enjoyment from this it makes every part of my body feel like throwing up and crying and like i almost felt like i would was rather dead than having to go to these like practices but the practices were super close to my house and my mom would always say like you can't just quit things if you don't want to do them you know you got to stick see things through which i do think is true but i do think that there is a balance between you know pushing through on hard things and honoring your feelings you know if every part of your body is screaming for you to stop I think it's important to honor that and listen to that. You know, there is something to be said, stick it out, give it a fair chance. But, um, you know, if if every part of your body is screaming at you to quit, maybe take some time and actually listen to that. But, you know, I will remember that forever to this day, you know, I have memories of what it was like and how I felt. Because I do think it was an important step in my path um learning like to really trust myself even though i couldn't really trust my feelings at that time um i remember this one game in practice we would play where it's it's almost like a bully circle which i know is not the point of the circle but basically one person would be in the middle and then some person would be chosen from like everyone else is standing in a circle around that one person in the center and then one person is get gets chosen to tackle the person in the middle, and you get three tries, and then if you get, you know, if you can't stand your ground, you, you get out, and then the next person that tackled you gets to take over the center of the circle, and there was this one guy, and he was like the fastest one on the team, one of the older guys, honestly, like there were guys on my team that were like probably 6'2", and like 250 pounds, and I was like, maybe five feet tall and 90 pounds soaking wet like so tiny and this one guy comes in and he does not go easy on me i just fucking fly through the air and land on my ass three times in a row and it's almost like this humiliating experience where like even if i physically tried my hardest to stand my ground it wouldn't have been enough because i'm nine and he's 16 like i don't know how else to say it to break it down but it is what it is Um, but yeah, that's life. Sometimes it just kicks you down and then you get back up and it kicks you down again and goes, oh, you picked yourself up again. That's nice. Bap! Right on the head. Kicked down again. (sighs) So, yeah, I mean, what I was going back to what I was saying about having a lot of anxiety as a kid, I have all these memories of, you know, we would go to our grandparents' house, my dad's parents, and, um... They lived out in the country on a farmhouse. They didn't have really farm animals or anything because my dad had asthma and they had to get rid of all the animals, but it was still very much huge vegetable garden, lots of land, um, you know, working on things all the time, um, building things with wood, you know, making maple syrup. It was so great. But um, every single time we would have dinner um, at my grandparents, they would always watch the news. And it was kind of a thing like after dinner everyone would take a nap and then we'd watch the six o'clock news or the eight o'clock news or whatever and because my grandparents were hard of hearing they would blast the volume it would be maxed out like on a hundred i don't know if they didn't have hearing aids at the time or their ears were just shot but yeah basically it was like a routine and it would be blasting loud And, of course, mainstream news, it's, like, all bad news. Maybe somewhat good news, like, oh, we caught this murderer. Still not good news, though, you know? So, um, oh, hi, Julian. Other little cat boy, Julian, just decided to join me, and he's making his loaf of bread in the blankets beside me. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, anyway, excuse me. Um, yeah, so literally nowhere in the house you could escape hearing the news you'd have to go outside and even then you could just hear like the from inside of like the tv and i was always such a sensitive and emotional kid you know i felt so connected like emotions are so overwhelming and powerful and when you're a kid and you don't know how to really navigate them they can be really intense and almost take over so for me, I felt like, um, I don't know, like even just the people in my life, I was sensitive to how they were feeling. Like if, if my mom was upset or my dad was upset, I would almost like shrink myself because I don't want to, you know, make things worse or uh, escalate those feelings for anyone because I would almost feel them as well. And I was like a sponge, just like soaking up what I felt around me. Um, and so when the news was playing all the time, it's not like we were there a lot, but like every single weekend we would go to my grandparents and it was a thing. And it was always like, people are dying. These kids are starving in Africa. And this bomb just went off in this country and, uh, you know, a hurricane just hit this place and like all these bad things and me being an emotional little sponge at the time, i'm like oh my god this world is fucked like how could anyone i remember having these thoughts as young as like six or seven years old like how can someone look around at this world and go yeah i want to bring a child into this like that's kind of messed up and i don't know I i thought like i saw it as being selfish where it's like you want a kid so bad but like this place sucks you really think that you know you can drag me into this Little did I know that I chose all of my experiences, which you know might be difficult for some people to come to terms with that. But I really do think that if we, if we ha, if we can hold that perspective of we chose our experiences before we came here, and we don't remember why we chose to have these experiences, but just trusting that our higher self chose, you know, this path of lessons to make us grow and understand as an individual and as a soul um then just observing that that experience in that way um without being attached or disempowering myself by saying that like it's someone else's fault or it's some something outside of me like i don't know um and yeah so i forgot where i was going with that let me get my thoughts back uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, being emotional sponge, the news, all that stuff, yeah, so uh, for me, it was just kind of like, Wow, this is messed up, like, and then that got me thinking, like, what is the point of all of this, like I don't know if that's it's a deep thought for a kid to have, and there's not really a good way to express it, but I know that I've had like that kind of thought, like my whole life, like I would lie awake at night or like the things that I'd be thinking about before falling asleep at night would just be like why are we doing this what is the purpose like why are we here you know this this can't be just happening for no reason it's such a physical realistic experience but it's not like i questioned like what is real at that time but for me i just all i could see was like the negativity and there was not really a lot of examples i mean My mom's mom my grandmother on her side like she was very much in tune with her you know working on her spiritual journey and being connected and intuitive and all of that and being creative so i did have that example but i could also see how even for my mom's mom the very you know dense hardships of this reality um had really gotten to her you know she had some really difficult experiences that, you know, I learned about when I got older and my mom kind of talked about what her experiences were growing up. Um, in a nutshell, uh, her parents were kind of abusive to her and her brother, who was younger than her, um, got burned when he was a kid. He was reaching up over the stove and his pajamas caught on fire and he got covered in burns. So she became her brother's protector, and if anyone bullied him for having scars, she would just beat them up. So she became a fighter. She was a very passionate redhead. She had her hair cut short like a boy, and um, her father was an alcoholic and just, you know, really tumultuous household. And even for her mother, you know, it was just kind of too much for her to handle. She didn't know how to deal with this rebellious, you know, little daughter that was almost that was kind of like really in her masculine energy at the time, being a protector and uh, a scrapper and, you know, just kind of falling in with the wrong crowd at the time. But understandably because, you know, her house, her home life wasn't the best. So she kind of had to go out and pave her own way, um, and figure out who she was, you know. And that started with her defending her brother, kind of. Um yeah so i kind of was contemplating this balance of like what are we doing here like what's going on why (laughs) and i don't know i always kind of had that going through the back of my mind and then as i got older um you know i won't go into a lot of the details of you know traumatic experiences at this time maybe i will in a different episode because i do feel like i've kind of gone all over the place um just kind of trying to give like a general overview but as I got older kind of more towards like being 12 or 13 also like my parents separating when I was seven I was old enough to kind of know what was happening but not old enough to like understand like the bigger picture kind of um and my sister was three at the time so she really didn't have as many memories as that time because when you're that young, like, you don't really remember as much. Um, I'm, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, but, um, yeah. So I remember like vaguely a lot of disagreements. And then when my dad moved out, he moved back in with his parents. And then that's when we would spend time with his parents, um, my grandparents, um, on the weekends. Um, but it was, Pretty amicable, amicable split. I mean, I don't really think they had to like argue over custody or anything, because my mom wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and raise us, and my dad was like working to support us. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure my dad was on board with homeschooling at the time. You know, I think he and my mom both had somewhat negative experiences in the schooling system, getting bullied and recognizing that, you know, the system isn't perfect, and there's a lot of things that it teaches you that, like, don't really matter when it comes to living your life, unless there's, uh, you know, specific niches you want to get into as a career, but obviously when you're a kid, it's important to be exposed to new things that you didn't, you just didn't know that it existed, like, you didn't even know it was an option, but, um, I don't know, like the whole thing of being forced rather than feeling like you have a choice. Sometimes when you're a kid, you don't uh, you don't really have a choice because you're dependent on the adults around you and you're just kind of at the whim of, you know, what your parents decide for you. That's your survival. So you can't really stand up for yourself in that sense. And you also don't have the ability to like articulate it in that way when you're that young but um yeah so where was i going with this yeah so when uh my parents split not long after um my mom joined a theater group and she really enjoyed that and she start she was singing and acting it was musical theater so it's every component of singing acting and dancing and it was this community um community theater group and I think her first role, she was Mowgli's mother in the Jungle Book, which I don't even know if it was an actual role in the script or if she had lines, but she, it was like a kid's play. But even though she was a mom at the time, she was like, I really want to do this, which honestly props for her, props to her for, you know, doing, doing that. Because, you know, she wanted to be creative and it was a great social outlet as well and after that she did another uh musical uh titanic and that's where she met my stepdad now um and they kind of started dating after that so he was in our life for quite a while maybe like four years beside uh before he proposed to my mom um in that time like before my mom got engaged um my dad remarried and um i don't know that's kind of another whole other (laughs) episode talking about my dad and and my stepmom and and those experiences um but yeah for my mom i think she had a really good connection with my stepdad and it kind of showed her this i don't know My perspective of my parents' relationship is different because I was so young at the time, so it may not be how it actually was, but it's just my interpretation of it. But they seemed to be butting heads a lot, and, um, you know, they couldn't really see things eye to eye, and it was just causing a lot of friction. And I think for my stepdad, he kind of showed my mom that, um, you know, she doesn't have to settle for not treating not being treated the way that she deserves and maybe they maybe my mom and dad had two different love languages or whatever i don't know but they were together about six months and they got engaged and then had me after being together for about a year which in hindsight did not know this until somewhat recently but it's kind of understandable Um you know, it's a reminder to be, it's, it's important to be mindful of, like, who you decide to, you know, have kids with, because, I don't know, I feel like with newer generations, we're kind of able to see the whole aspect of, like, the potential um, complications that can come with pregnancy, like, before and after, dealing with postpartum depression and you know just all the complications that we might not know even happen it's important to take all of that into account because it is such a huge toll on your body and it is a, an emotional uh, emotionally intensive job being a parent and you're also like creating new little humans it's a full-time job you know it's not just like it's not just whatever and you know some parents may not view it as a a job or you know just see it as like oh whatever it's just just being a parent but like i don't know it's there's almost like this disconnect we get from the time we grow up to the time we become adults we forget that we were kids one day too and what it felt like to be at the whim of your environment and kind of feeling helpless and not being able to articulate your your prob- your feelings or, your, or the problems that you might feel you're experiencing. <sighs> I don't know. I I'm, I'm just trusting that whatever I'm talking about hopefully is resonating with someone um and maybe validating some experiences or even make you feel less alone because um I don't know. I feel like sometimes the universe will just speak through other people or through the music you hear or an animal that you see or numbers patterns that you see like repetitive number patterns or you know just like little subtle messages um just keep your eyes out and just see what little uh nuggets of of wisdom the universe is trying to share with you anyway that was a little side tangent again get used to it (laughs) but um anyway so my mom and my stepdad and they were together for quite a while my my dad remarried before my mom remarried but um my mom was with my stepdad for a little bit longer before they got engaged i think they got married like 2008 i want to say i could be wrong um honestly a lot of most of my childhood i it's hard for me to remember and I've just come to realize that, like, maybe I don't remember it for a reason, because, you know, I do feel like that time in my life was really hard for me, and I was feeling a lot. And even though I did handle my parents' divorce pretty well for for my age at the time, and I remember even my parents were going to therapy, like, after they split up, because they wanted to be able to co-parent, um, and I was like, can I go to therapy too? And they are like, yeah, I guess. And I don't remember this, but this is what my mom tells me. And I went and I talked to the therapist and the therapist was like, yeah, she seems, you know, pretty well adjusted. She like asked, asked me if I was glad that my parents got separated. And I was like, yeah, because my dad just cries all the time, <laughs> which is kind of funny in hindsight. But um, I guess I didn't realize how much it did affect me until i got older and i was a teenager and not in the sense that like i don't know um i feel like it's a a weird grieving process in a way where your parents still alive but you almost grieve the the loss of like the parent you never had like the parent you wish you had but just didn't exist and you almost have to like forgive your parents In a sense, like, it doesn't make what they did at times, like, it doesn't justify what they did, but at the same time, like, I I can see why they did what they did. It's understandable based on their experiences, and they were just doing the best that they could, and even if the best, even if their best still wasn't enough, that's the best they could do, and I, I can't be, I can't hold that against them, you know? They they are also just kids that grew up and got traumatized and decided to have kids, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, definitely in the 90s, like, at the time, it's not like therapy was being normalized. Like, if you went to therapy, y- you know, you got something wrong with you, you're a quackhead. Which, I'm glad it's being less stigmatized now, but, you know, still a little bit of stigmatization around that. But um i can definitely say therapy has helped me a lot um not currently in therapy but um it definitely pretty much saved my life in a couple of senses a couple different instances um yeah so sorry my adhd brain undiagnosed self-diagnosed from tiktok um sorry haters but i don't know i just have squirrel brain so forgive me if the story is not very tangible because i keep taking all these little side side routes um but you know i feel like everything i'm saying is for a reason i guess (laughs) like i said what you take out of it um you know i i won't be able to understand that but you will (sighs) so yeah trying to tell this linear timeline but it's not working but time is simultaneous so it doesn't really matter i guess so uh yeah my my mom remarries my stepdad and um he had a stroke i don't know when exactly i can't remember but it was many years like i was probably a teenager at the time he both of his parents have had strokes and that's how he ended up losing both of his parents he was a kid from a family of five like five kids and he was the youngest so all of his older siblings had pretty much moved out they were you know raising their families having getting married having their own kids and he was at home like being a full-time caregiver to his parents which i can only imagine what that was like for him to go through but um yeah he used to be a police officer in calgary and then he worked for the i can't remember some government position um besides policing it was more office work but um yeah so at the time he was commuting he would take the he would drive down take the or he would take the go bus and he would uh, bus to work and it was probably about like probably about an hour on the bus and that was so we could have the car which was really nice of him so i could drive myself to work we could you know drive to our activities we could go to the grocery store and get chores done and that kind of thing um but yeah one day he woke up and it felt like he had pins and needles in his left arm and like he'd slept on it funny but he didn't really think much of it and he just like went throughout his whole day and then by the time he got home he was like yeah this is like getting worse and not really going away which he is trained in first aid but you know like with these things like having a stroke or having a heart attack A part of us wants to be in denial that that's happening. So, um, I guess a part of him was kind of in denial uh, that it could be something more serious. And then got home from work, went to the hospital, got checked out, and they discovered that he had had a small stroke. And I want to say, like, I don't know, again, with this process of grieving someone, like, it's not like grieving the person that he was before the stroke, but, you know, there was a change in him after that. Um Thankfully, he didn't lose any of his, you know, any physical abilities, but cognitively, you could kind of tell that something was different, you know, not in a bad way, you know, he could still talk and have conversations, but... It was just, you could tell things were a little bit more difficult for him to art- articulate and communicate properly without getting really defensive. It, it was almost like a shift in his personality. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like th- that definitely was hard on my mom, but she kind of just had to keep pushing through because, you know, life goes on. And she still wanted to be a stay at home mom. So um, he took some time off. I think he ended up retiring, and then he kind of just, like, works two part-time jobs currently. Um, but, yeah, that's a whole other story. I really don't want to bash on anyone in my family for the choices they've made, because, like, I will never know what it's like to be them and have their experience and perspective. So, even if I can be frustrated with those choices, it's taken a lot of healing and and time and contemplation for me to kind of come to this viewpoint um and forgiveness because you know not it's not always like up to me to decide what to feel if that makes sense um even though i do have like harsh feelings about some people in my family like i've really been trying to like practice like being practice my compassion and empathy for these people you know it doesn't excuse the behaviors that they did it doesn't excuse anything but um it helps me understand like where they came from you know it's still I, i've learned now that i can set these boundaries and i don't have to give so much of myself um emotionally or even just like my time to these people Um, and and I can love them from a distance, but it's definitely, I don't know, it's it's a tough lesson to learn, it's a tough conclusion to come to, but at the end of the day, we are all just humans having this experience collectively, and I think that's what the world needs, we need a little more um, compassion for each other, Um, especially going through hard things, because whether or not you had a traumatizing childhood and, you know, you were either emotionally abused or physically abused or sexually abused, like... You don't have to go through something traumatic to be traumatized. Like, it's not for anyone else to say how it affected you. Um, if it if you feel strongly about it, you feel strongly about it and you don't need to justify it to anyone. Um, but i can definitely say like just choosing the path of like wanting to be better and heal from this rather than being defined by it is the hardest thing i've ever done but it's also the most rewarding thing i've ever done um i don't know like there's no other choice like it is like just being human being here being alive is definitely the hardest thing that i've ever done (laughs) um i don't know part of the belief system that i like that i believe right now at least is that you know if everything is just energy and you know everything is constantly it's just energy is constantly in motion everything's always moving excuse me Uh, gotta move that yawn through um energy is always in motion and energy cannot be created or destroyed. You know, there's these certain universal laws like finding out about quantum physics. Oh my gosh, it just like unlocked in my brain. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go on a side tangent again, but I need to get back to back to the track, back to the track of the story because I got I can't just say everything in one uh, uh, one episode, you know? Who's going to listen to one 9-hour episode of my life? I got to save some for the next next time. Um, but yeah, kind of just wanted to break down my family dynamic a little bit. But yeah, when I got to be around 16 or 17, um, I really started to butt heads with my mom a lot more. And looking back, I do think part of it was, you know, hearing about how my mom was raised like when she was 16, Um, her dad wasn't really in her life until after, like, my sister and I were born, and she wanted to kind of reconnect their relationship for the sake of him being able to see his grandkids. And even though it wasn't really the father figure that she wanted or needed, it was nice to just have a relationship, even if it was in a different way. Um... But yeah, he wasn't really in her life for the most part. And my mom, uh, oh, what was I going to say? My grandfather, mm, hang on, thoughts? Come back, please. Thank you. Um. Yeah, so, oh yeah, I know what I was going to say. When my mom was 16, my grandmother, uh, her mom moved out to find work and she was working on a an icebreaker ship in the arctic so she was gone for several months sending money home to pay the bills and because my mom was the youngest of three or four um she also had well not at the time but um my mom has two older sisters and an older brother who passed away when she was in her 30s i think just before i was born or maybe in her 20s i can't remember exactly and they were pretty close but he had a um he had some kind of disease where uh cholesterol just like builds up where it's not supposed to in your body so he would have these like cholesterol buildups in his brain and it affected his cognitive functioning and it's really rare but it's a genetic disease and he ended up um you know succumbing to it when he was like in his thirties, I wanna say. Which is so traumatic for, you know, everyone in my mom's family. Like, even I don't know, I never knew him, but I just know that like he was an amazing person. And also practising holding the perspective of like, that was a really hard thing for everyone to go through, but he chose that for a reason you know like he wanted to experience life from the perspective of someone with that (laughs) like um you know that genetic disease and you know the bigger impacts and lessons that the ripple effect of you know how that affected everyone in his family and um you know i can only imagine because i wasn't there but you know so my mom was 16 my mom my grandmother was sending money home and from that time like my mom really didn't have a parent in the house like she was kind of raising herself she had the community of the church to help support her but she was taking herself to school um you know taking herself to work basically being completely independent and didn't really have much parental guidance at that time and her prospects in life like she knew she wanted to be a mother she knew she wanted to be like a stay-at-home mom and she just wanted to be like this pastor's wife um so nothing wrong with that i mean i would never choose that personally but you know that's what she thought she wanted so she i don't know I like looking back like i think when we started to really butt heads when I was, like, around 16, 17, and I was like, oh my god, like, I just want to move out, I just want to be independent, like, I don't want to be told what to do. I do think it was difficult for my mom to deal with me being like that because she was trying her best, but she also didn't know what it was like to be parented at that age. Like, I really feel like, in some ways, she couldn't really see me as like i don't know i feel like once i turned like 14 15 16 like i kind of stayed like that version of myself has stayed like that in her mind's eye which i know it's coming from a place of love like i know she just wants what's best for me but sometimes what she th- perceives as what's best for me is not what i need you know so we really started like arguing a lot and i feel like that's kind of when i started really putting up a wall of like detaching from that because we did my mom and i used to be really close when i was younger but i do think looking back like she would kind of like use my sister and i as like therapists like she would overshare and just like i don't know she didn't have anyone else to talk to so of course it was like me and my sister. But like, there's certain things that I was worried about as a kid that, like, shouldn't really have been my worry to be worried about, if that makes sense. I should stop saying, if that makes sense, because it either does or it doesn't. But, um, yeah, so I think it was hard for her, and it was hard for me, and at that time, I was uh directing this musical that I'd loved. Like, since I was a kid, I got this disc from my friend when I was about eight and it was like this I don't know half an hour an hour long um musical about animals and nature and how humans are affecting the habitats and like all this stuff so it had a really good message and the music was great and I was like you know since my mom got involved in theater and that's how she met my stepdad I can't remember how old I was when I did my first play but That was a huge extracurricular type activity that my sister and I would do. The whole family was involved in really um, for almost 10 years from the time I was like 6 or 7. I don't know. I had really bad stage fright and anxiety. So it was the like I wanted to be doing that stuff, but it took me a while to kind of get the confidence up. Even though I was young and I was just in like a chorus type role, Um, I met so many amazing friends through that and it really helped with my confidence a lot in my stage presence as i got older so then when i got to be 16 or 17 i was like i really want to direct a play like i think or a musical i think that would be so fun like i had been in enough that i kind of knew all the components that would go into it and i wanted to like make my vision come to life which to this day is one of my proudest accomplishments um like i was so young at the time to do something like that but um i'm so glad that my mom supported me through that and like from the vision in my brain of like what i imagined coming to life and seeing it play out and like have an have audiences like multiple shows i think we had like three three or four different shows um and working on it for probably six months like and even the whole process of like auditioning people and casting them and then directing and having all the costumes and makeup and set everything come together was so so rewarding like I don't even think I could put it into words um but at that time from the time I was 16 to about 2020 actually there was only one year that I didn't um internship for a, I don't know if I should say it, but I, I was interning for, um, this award show, and when I was 16, in the middle of the production that I was directing, I went away for a week to, uh, mm, where was it? Manitoba, I think, and, um, I paid for my way, I paid to fly out there, I paid for my food, I paid for, you know, I think I was able to stay with someone else in in a hotel room, but I didn't get paid and I was, like, a PA in the office and that experience for me was, like, oh my gosh, there is a different world out here. Like, I can do anything I want, basically. And it was just so cool being thrown into that world of, like, fast-paced, um, hard-working, like, entertainment life for a second. Like, it's only once a year and the amount of effort that goes into it it's all like cram packed into one week making it happen but i don't know that those experiences are so invaluable to me like i'm so glad i got to have those experiences um and then the very last one that i went to was in 2020 and it got canceled because that was kind of the week that like everything was unfolding uh with the pandemic so halfway through the week they were like yeah we're gonna have to uh you know follow up with the uh the provincial government and the government was like yeah we're gonna shut it down so it was weird we'd halfway through the week had everything half set up and then had to unpack it all and go back home early with without doing the show and that was my last experience with that because now I have a full-time job and I can't really take time off to do that and even just as like I uh, I don't know, a field, a, like a career field to get into, like it's not something I'm trying to get into long-term because there's a lot of contract work. I'm getting ahead of myself as usual. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get to a place where I can wrap it up because I've said a lot, and um, hopefully, hopefully, I will be a little more formulated as I go forward. Um, but thank you for listening to me. If you've stuck it out this far, and if you already know me and you're listening to this, you probably have heard snippets of this before. But just to kind of, you know, the first couple episodes, I want to just paint a picture of like, um, I don't know, like my background, I guess, to kind of give some context. Um, I probably will wrap it up in a little bit though, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, around that time, 16, 17, um, I also started working as a lifeguard at one of my local pools, and that also really helped open up my perspective of like, you know, being 16 and then working with these you know, university age students, they were a little older than me, there, it was a range of people from high school all the way up to, you know, late 20s, kind of, and I always really appreciate, you know, having conversations with people that are older than me or younger than me. I noticed a lot through the time I was doing musical theater that, like, a lot of the times school kids, as homeschoolers call it, um... They would be like, okay, yeah, like I don't talk to anyone that is not in my grade. So we would have people in the play and be like, oh, you guys go to the same school. Do you guys ever hang out at school? And they would be like, oh, no, like he's in a grade younger than me. Like we'd never talk to each other at school, but here we can be friends. And I was like, what? Like you're friends here, but you're not going to be friends at school and you see each other every day? That's just kind of weird to me. And I was always that kid, like being just as f- much friends with the f- my friend's parents and having conversations with the parents. And then other kids would be like why are you talking to their parents like what i'm like i don't know he's an interesting person like we're just talking about stuff but i don't know my my unique perspective is what i can share with the world i guess um but yeah just like a lot of exciting expansive experiences when i became like a teenager like mid-teens and um, yeah, a lot of traumatic shit happened, like, I might get into it in another episode, but just forewarning, like, it's more, more in the tune of, like, what I would consider, like, emotional abuse, but, um, I don't know, it's just a label for it, I guess, but, yeah, I don't know, I want to leave, I want to leave this on a positive note, though, um, I journaled down some thoughts that I had the other day, and I think it's a little bit inspiring. So, here we go. Nothing matters in the sense that we shouldn't take things too seriously. Everything matters in the sense we need to consciously choose our choices and how we live our lives. If we live out of a state of dissociation and fear, we repress how powerful we can be in creating any reality we choose. It takes time to figure out what we want if we've never spent time to consider what we want we all deserve abundance but our whole lives the mirror of ourselves teach us how even if we don't like how we're feeling and we have the power to change our reaction just as much as we wish we could change others reactions they may not want to change because they choose to experience the perspective of what it's like to live in a disempowered state we need to accept this as the judgment we have against others is just reflecting on an insecurity within ourselves. Letting go of any perceived insecurities we feel others cast on us is something within ourselves we can change, because <clears throat> we can change as we become conscious of these thought patterns. If we observe our thoughts, we can also observe them and not attach our identity around it. For example, feeling dep- I am depressed no you're feeling depression that feeling is energy in motion emotion we need to move energy to move through these feelings and not hold on to them we might even create part of our identity with these emotions because a part of our ego feels safe being in the comfort zone if you choose to practice holding the belief that you can take the power into your own hands you'll realize you don't need anything outside yourself if you accept the worst-case scenario, then why not practice expressing the best-case scenario or expecting the best-case scenario? Life is too short to constantly feel like the second shoe is about to drop and you dread waking up in the morning. Half the time when we worry about something, it never even happens anyway. Why not focus that conscious energy towards appreciating what you can control and what blessings you do already have in your life? Love is all around us. Like the wind, we can't see it, but we can feel that it's there. Our highest self is always guiding us, keeping our best intentions. Practice trusting in divine timing. Everything is working out exactly as it should. Just because someone else who seems ahead in life doesn't mean that they don't have problems too. We don't need to put others on a pedestal to motivate ourselves to be better. We can want what's best for ourselves and everyone around us including the guy who cuts you off in traffic. He might be distracted because his wife is sick and he's raising a child without much support and he's late for work just trying to make ends meet. We can never assume what anyone else is going through. We can can hide how we're really feeling from the people around us because we may feel unsafe to express ourselves without feeling like there is space to feel heard and be safe. We are trying to sort out what we are feeling or why we're feeling that way. And if we're just observing the feelings, we can let it go like a balloon floating away. We can change our value system from material to energetic. So I hope some of that resonated. Um, I talked so much longer than I thought I would. But um, I think I'd also... Oh, excuse me, I'm just stretching. I think I would also like to share some tarot card readings if... um, If anyone would be interested in that and even if you're not interested might just do it anyway because even if you don't know much about it um i really enjoy it and that could be a whole other conversation topic for another time but uh yeah not trying to i guess i went a little deep but um feel free to send me a message on instagram at the light bean podcast um thank you for listening if you listened this far, I just want you to know that you are loved and you are appreciated. You're exactly where you need to be, and just have faith and trust. Um, I guess what I w- want part of this podcast to be is like expressing and sharing the stories that I've been through and how hard it was for me and where I am today. Because the beginning of my story is like, you know, it has its ups and downs, but um the way I've been able to let it affect me and how I've been a- where I've been able to go from there um, has really helped me a lot. So if you have any feedback, preferably constructive criticism. and uh, you know, if you're a hater, thanks for listening to an hour of me talk, I guess, over an hour. But I just want I just want to say I appreciate you and remind you that we're never alone and um you got this i just want everyone else to feel empowered and know that you can feel good and not anxious as well but i love you thank you for listening and i hope you will join me again in the next episode